Good morning, Grace Church. Great to see everybody. It's a wonderful sound coming out of the chairs this morning. Sounds like a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of good fellowship going on. And uh, if we could convert that to praise here in a few moments, I believe the Lord would inhabit this building in a mighty, mighty, mighty way. Thank the Lord. Uh, we want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, we trust that the presence of the Lord will be a blessing to all of you here today. And that by the time you leave, you will realize that attending Grace Church this morning was worth the trip. Thank the Lord. It's always worth it to be in God's presence. Thank the Lord. I want to open today. We actually would like to open with prayer. If you would stand with me. Uh, we'd like to open with prayer that God would move and bless in this service today that we could see the manifestation of God's hand. Thank the Lord. I would love to see the manifest presence of God here today in uh, such a tremendous, tremendous way. But uh, as we pray for our service today, we'd like to pray for Chris and Hannah's little boy, Judah. Uh, we were actually planning to dedicate their little baby girl that was just born, Willow, today. But Judah had to be in the hospital yesterday, then go back this morning. Hannah just texted and said they're being discharged, and he's doing a lot better. And we're very thankful for that. But let's pray for Judah this morning. And also, if we could pray for Cassie Crochet's niece, Brittany, uh, she would deeply appreciate it. And uh, I believe God hears every prayer, and I believe God answers every prayer. He answers them in his way, at his time. But nonetheless, God answers prayer, and I'm thankful for that. Thank the Lord. Let's go to the Lord right now in prayer, shall we? Jesus, we love you today. We're so thankful for your amazing blessing on our lives. You've got our footsteps. You know the way that we take. And I pray, God, today that you would move and bless in this service, that every, every person here would be challenged uh, by your presence to draw just a little bit closer to you. We pray, God, today for uh, Judah. We pray, God, that you would keep your wonderful, wonderful hand on this sweet little baby boy. That you would give him complete recovery, complete healing. We trust you for these things today because we know you're able to do that. And we pray for Brittany today. God, you know where she's at. You know all the things that's going on in her body. And we pray, God, that you would be good, that you would be kind and heal her, that you would talk to this family that you administer to them, that you would bless them through this time. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank the Lord. Let's give the Lord some praise today, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look at your neighbor and tell them you look nice today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. When I ask you to look at your neighbor and say you look nice today, that didn't necessarily mean to engage in some long, in-depth conversation. It was just a gesture of kindness. <laughs> God bless you, sweet people. Today, you may be seated. As you know and has been announced for the past couple of weeks, uh, today is that, that day on our church calendar uh, that we come and uh, we dedicate babies to Jesus. And uh, I just have a feeling heaven is real excited about this. That 
uh, God is saying, you know what? I gave some families some beautiful, beautiful babies, and they're going to turn right around and give those babies back to me. So today, if you're having your uh, baby babies dedicated today, if you would come stand behind me on the platform, I'd appreciate it. All of our families that's having children dedicated today, if you'd come stand behind me. Thank the Lord. Let's give these people some appreciation, shall we? I've changed my mind on dedicating them. I'm just leaving. So to... Not really. Thank the Lord. <clears throat> what a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful sight. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful privilege. Wonderful, wonderful opportunity to connect with the Lord in such a, a special way. And uh, today we're dedicating Asher Paul. This is Brooke and Jeremy's little baby boy, uh, handsome little guy. And uh, we're very excited about that. And uh, we're also dedicating Jacob and Ashley's uh, little baby girl, newly born this past week. Uh, I think Ashley and Jacob, she may be the youngest child we've ever dedicated to the Lord. I mean, they just got out of the hospital like this morning, something like that. Uh, it, was, it was pretty close. Uh, Thursday, Friday, I believe. Five days. Okay. My apologies. Uh, but still a very young infant baby, and we welcome Wren here today with us. And then we're dedicating Caitlin's sweet babies, and uh, we're thankful for friends and family that would join her, and uh, we're dedicating uh, Lindy and Tanner today to the Lord. <clears throat> this is a happy day for you guys, a day to celebrate family, uh, a day to celebrate with friends, and uh, we're very, very excited about that. We all know today, the, you up here in front of me and those behind me, that parenting is interesting. Someone to find a baby is an angel whose wings grow shorter as their legs grow longer. Uh, I have a propensity to concur with that. After having their fifth child, a couple received a playpen from some friends. Several weeks later, the friends who sent the gift received this note from the new parents. said, the playpen is wonderful, just what we needed. We sit in it every afternoon and read, and the kids can't get close to us. <clears throat> Anybody feel that sentiment here this morning? In Genesis 33, verse 5, the Bible said, And he, this is Jacob, lifted up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, Who are those with thee? And he, Jacob, said, The children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Beautiful, beautiful statement. One particular biblical expression has captured my thoughts this morning. We all are familiar with this, the scripture setting, Psalm 127, Lo, children, our heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is a man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed and they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. The family is a divine institution ordained by God from the very beginning of time. Children are a heritage of the Lord committed by him to their parents for care, protection, and training for the glory of God. And it is important that all parents recognize this obligation and their responsibility to God in this matter. Jochebed trained her own child, Moses, after giving him to the Lord. Hannah 
recognized that her child Samuel was from God and Mary also brought the infant Jesus to the temple and had him dedicated to the service of God. Someone said there's only one thing harder than being a parent today and that is being a child. Over a century ago, someone advised, let every mother and father realize that when their child is three years of age, they have done more than half of what they will ever do for his or her own character. These families here today wish to recognize the sacredness of their charge and now bring back to the Lord the treasure which he has entrusted to them. And by doing this, they recognize and acknowledge their responsibility for the nurture and admonition of their children and the ways of righteousness. So you as parents standing here today simply dedicate your child and their life to God, raising them in truth. And when you do, I can promise you today, God will do his part. God will absolutely do his part. So to you wonderful parents today, what you're doing today simply is giving your baby, your babies, back to God from whence they came. You're making a powerful statement to the Lord, and this is what you're saying. Lord, we're dedicating our baby to you today. Will you allow us to keep our baby and prepare our baby for your purpose and your kingdom when they're of age? I'm going to ask everyone behind me to please stand. To you parents today, I charge you this day to keep your babies, prepare your babies, teach your babies, lead your babies by your example as loving and godly parents from this day forward. Thank the Lord. I also want to charge this church family, our teachers, our serve team leaders, our ministry team, and every saint of God to treat these children as one of God's own and do your part in leading these babies closer to God. Congregation behind me, if you agree to do this, would you shout a loud amen? That we believe and support our families, our children. We love them deeply and we want them to grow up, to be, to repent of their sins, to be baptized in the name of Jesus and to be filled with the beautiful Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues and everyone say amen again. As our ministry team joins with these families to pray for them, give them their Bibles and so on, would you pray with us right now as we can dedicate and give these children, these babies back to the Lord in Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. We're thankful for the privilege, for the honor to have this moment to obey your command to bring the little children unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And I pray today in Jesus' name that the Holy Ghost would move on behalf of all of these families, that you would take these children and put them in the palm of your hand. Keep your arms wrapped tightly around them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help them understand the Word of God, that you would help them to grow up to understand the will of God, regardless of what may go on at home, what may go on at school, what may go on in their lives that deep down on the inside of them there would be the Spirit of God, the voice of God, pulsating through their veins, going through their mind, never letting them forget that they were given back to you. I pray, God, that you would use them, every one of them. They were born to serve in the kingdom. They were born to give back in some capacity to your kingdom. And I pray today, God, that you would honor these prayers. Lay your hands on these children. Lay your hands on these families, the moms, the dads. I pray, God, that you'd give them wisdom, patience, understanding, 
Give them, God, the ability to guide and lead their children in the ways of truth and the paths of righteousness. We ask it in the beautiful name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Let's give these folks some appreciation today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. It's a beautiful moment at Grace Church, and I never take these times for granted. Thank the Lord. We're going to move on into our worship set this morning. Why don't you just remain standing here today? Let the Lord minister to all of us. What do you say? Thank the Lord. God bless you today. In Jesus' name, remain standing. Well, praise the Lord, Grace Church. Here we are on a Sunday morning ready to worship the Lord again, and I know that's what you've come to do. As the praise team gets ready and prepared and set to lead us into worship, let me just remind you of a couple of things this week. Don't forget Tuesday morning prayer, uh, of course, Tuesday at 10 o'clock right here in the sanctuary. And then Friday night is our night of worship at 730. Everybody say 730. Yeah. That's right here in the sanctuary with guest worship leader Brian Pound. We're asking you to come out and bring a friend, bring a couple of friends. Let's have church. Let's see what God will do. Come expecting miracles. One last announcement. Uh, I'm so excited uh, to announce to you that Classroom One is now a prayer room. And uh, that, that is the, the room. you got uh, Nursery One, Nursery Two, and then the prayer room right there. Uh, almost directly behind the sanctuary. We want you to use this uh, and pray before church, Sunday morning, before church, Wednesday night. Pray anytime. Use the prayer room. Let's pack it out. Uh, Farrah worked hard yesterday getting all that together. It's beautiful. Uh, the, the atmosphere is just right for prayer. And I dropped by there right before church this morning, and there were a number of people in there crying out to the Lord on behalf of the service. Wonderful spirit of prayer that was there. So avail yourself to that. Uh, use it uh, for prayer, and we're excited about this addition to our church schedule. God bless you. If you're ready to worship the Lord, would you clap your hands and shout to the Lord with your voice? We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. You are welcome in this place, oh God. Oh 
trust in you today, Lord. You are the King of God. You are the God of all creation. And I stand on you today, Lord. Oh, yes. Lord, I just want to be with you, Lord. Just want to be with you. Can we sing it all over the building as a prayer today?
that's how you feel today, would you welcome his presence one more time? Let's lift him up, praise church, everybody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Let's praise Him. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you how I feel today. I'll tell you how I feel today. I believe that God wanted to really sweep over this beautiful congregation of people think if there was, we had just put a little bit more into it, but had just given God a little bit more, I believe God would have ministered here a few moments ago in such a great, great way. I'm always appreciative of our young folks responding so beautifully to the word of the Lord. I don't want to ever give Jesus the impression that I don't need you today. I don't want to ever give God the impression that I, I, I'm here today, but if you don't want to touch me today, that's okay. I'm fine with that. I don't feel that way. I have never felt that way in the house of the Lord. I want God to minister to me anytime He wants to, anywhere, on any given occasion. Hallelujah. All over the house today, would you lift your voice? Would you clap your hands? And let's shout out to the Lord one more time, shall we? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Remain standing. And uh, if you would, return to your seats. Thank the Lord. I'm really struggling interrupting this amazing prayer time our young people are having. But they're so versatile. They can pray like this, here preaching, and come right back and pray again. Uh, one of our young people asked yesterday up here at the church, did we pray last Sunday? And the other one said, yes, we did. Uh, <clears throat> they just want to make sure. They keep praying. And they keep talking to, the God, to God. And I think that's an awesome thing. While you remain standing, a couple of things I want to mention. We pulled into the church yesterday. A lot of the, the platform work was still going on, and I want to thank Chris and Nathan and others uh, for being here throughout the day. Uh, I believe Nathan texted this morning at 1.30 and said, we're leaving, headed home at 1.30 this morning. I appreciate it deeply, and uh, I think we're zeroing in on completion. I'm happy about it, and I know they're ecstatic over it. And... Uh, but it's going to be wonderful. We're already appreciating it so much. When we rolled in the parking lot yesterday, Sister Renita had her care group, her connect group, excuse me, out in the parking lot, and I was introduced to pickleball for the first time. And uh, no pun intended, but some of them were in a pickle. I, I couldn't pass that. I, it was just too good of a moment. I couldn't pass that up. They did have, I think, a big gallon jar full of whole dill pickles. I don't know what they were for. I did see some of the younger people eating them. Uh, Dawson Bunch had a wonderful time yesterday. I think there were 20 women here yesterday plus him. <clears throat> so uh, I understand that his friends kind of stood him up and kicked him to the curb. So we need to have a chat with uh, some of you guys. But uh, it was wonderful to see all of these folks here. There were some guests with them yesterday. It was just exciting. It's so exciting. I'm so excited about our connect groups, and they're doing amazing. I'm so very thankful for that. And um, I want to say here quickly, 
uh, before we turn to the Word of God. Tonight we're celebrating our Sunday school teachers. Uh, we're having a, uh, a dinner to appreciate them tonight. And uh, the uh, A Center is decorated beautifully for them. And we're so very thankful for all that work towards that. But uh, it wouldn't be fair today to just limit us appreciating them to the dinner tonight. I appreciate them every Sunday. I appreciate them every Sunday. If here at Grace Church, if you appreciate our Sunday school staff, give them a of appreciation. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Sister Farrah Bunch does an amazing job. I very rarely hear of any trouble or conflict or anything. And it just makes me believe that there is none. If all of you believe that, uh, we can talk to you about a few things. But Sister Farrah handles it, is my point. She does an amazing job. And I'm so very thankful for her and all of our uh, kids ministry staff. They do just a simply an outstanding job. Great to see all of you here today. And uh, I want to go to the Word of God. And... Um, preach to you for a few minutes today from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I would like to call your attention today to Psalm chapter 27 and verse 4. Psalm 27, verse 4. Psalm of David. He said one thing. Everybody say one thing. He said one thing. Have I desired of the Lord? That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I'd like to preach to you today and I want to title this three things. Everybody say three things. Thank the Lord for the word. God bless you today and you may be seated. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> well, several years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I believe it was, I don't do well uh, tracking time like this, but I remember seeing the Cooper's kids, uh, Kaylin, Ethan, and Owen, <clears throat> come to something here at the church one night. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, one of them had on a T-shirt that said Thing 1. And then I looked at the other one, and their T-shirt said Thing 2. And then the third one said, you guessed it, Thing 3. And uh, in preparation for today, that memory came back to me. I almost texted to see if they still had them T-shirts and wear them here this morning to church, but I wouldn't do that. Uh, to them. I know they're into fashion and style and they probably wouldn't want to be looked at today as thing one, thing two, and thing three. <clears throat> I want to talk to you today about three things, but in this particular case, it's not going to be about the three Cooper kids. We're going to talk about things in the scripture. Thank the Lord. Everybody said amen. If I could begin today with a sentiment of my heart. I remember reading this verse many years ago in Psalm 27, that David said, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and I will seek after it, that I want to be in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And as I see our American culture continue to evolve in what it is today, we know here this morning that there are many, many people who have literally lost the desire to be in the house of the Lord, even on Sunday morning. I don't want that to happen here at Grace Church. I think there should be, I know there should be something about all of us that being in the house of the Lord should be our top priority of the week. 
It should be something we do when we have time and when it's convenient and it doesn't conflict with anything else in our schedule. And I believe God will bless people who desire to be in the house of God. The implication to that, I believe that David was making, is where we live and move all week long in the presence of the Lord. When we come to the house of the Lord, there's just that special presence of God that you really don't feel like that all during, all during the week, all throughout the week. I'm glad to be here today. It was also the psalmist that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I think we should be excited about coming to the house of God. I believe there ought to be an anticipation about being in the house of God. I think there should be an expectancy about being in the house of God. And God help us that it ever become just a routine, just a formality and something we have to do. Coming to church isn't something I have to do. Coming to the house of God is something I get to do. Hallelujah. Everybody clap your hands to the Lord today. Hallelujah. And when you make your presence in the house of the Lord consistent, there are some things that will happen to you, and it's the three things that I would like to remind you of here today. Jesus and his disciples were moving about in ministry as Jesus' practice was in his earthly ministry. And in John chapter 9, the Bible said that they approached, was walking by a man that was born blind. His disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Did his mother sin? Did his dad sin? Did he sin? Was he being punished or cursed because of some sin? Jesus said, no, it was none of that. It was none of that. He was born this way, that the works of God might be made manifested. And you say that's kind of a cruel thing maybe to, to do to someone, but that was Jesus' answer. No matter how we choose to interpret it, that's what he said. And uh, Jesus touched that man. He healed that man. He spat on the ground, as you know, made clay of the spittle, put it in his eyes, told him to go wash, and the man returned seeing. Well, it caused an uproar in the town, and uh, the Pharisees got involved in it, unfortunately, in my opinion. And they approached the man and said, How is it that you can see? He said, Jesus of Nazareth came by, and he made some clay of, and, and out of dirt and, and spittle and put it on my eyes, and I went and washed, and when I came, was done washing, I could see. They didn't believe that. Sounded a little too far-fetched to them. So they went to his parents. Ask his parents. His parents, the Bible indicates, was a little bit nervous and afraid of the Pharisees and what might happen to them if they didn't answer appropriately. And uh, they, the Pharisees said, what happened to your son that he was healed? They said, we don't know. He's of age. Go ask him. So they went back to the blind man and asked him. I love what the blind man said to them. They called him and said, we should give God praise. But the Pharisees said, referring to Jesus, he couldn't have healed you because he's a sinner. That's what they said. 
He's a sinner. This man answered and said unto him, the Bible said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. But one thing I do know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, but now I see. That's what I know. That's what I know. I want to remind everybody here at Grace Church, I'd like for us all to take a little trip backwards in our life. There's a lot of things that flood our mind every day. I'm going to ask you to toss that aside for a moment, and I would like for you to go back in your mind to your own personal altar of repentance when you called out to the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time in your life and with you just asking a simple question, God, would you forgive me of my sin? He said, absolutely. And then in a moment, your sin, every sin was forgiven. It was forgiven. And not only was it forgiven, but it was forgotten. I can tell you to this day, when I repent of my sin, there's one thing I know. There's one thing I know. They are forgiven and will never be held against me again. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I want to remind all of you to once again take a little trip in your mind by a show of hands here today. How many of you remember being baptized in the beautiful name of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? There's hands. Look at the hands all over the building. People, remember, I want to remind you again of what it felt like when you came up out of that water. Somebody told me just several days ago, a minister just told me, pastor just told me several days ago, we baptized somebody at our churches just in the past week or so, and they came up out of the water speaking in other tongues. There's people here today that share that same testimony. Does anybody remember? Does anybody remember? When God beautifully not only forgave your sin, but washed them away, the Bible said, into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered again. You don't ever remind God of your sin. You can't remind God of your sin. Anybody sitting here today that's been forgiven can say, God, I'm sorry for that sin I did committed three years ago. If, he, if you could hear his voice, he would answer you back and say, what sin? I don't know what you're talking about. When God forgives somebody... He forgives you all the way. They're put under the blood of Calvary and they are forgotten. They're forgiven and they're washed away. There's one thing I know today. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because sin is forgiven and sin is forgotten. Hallelujah. I don't want to rush past this point too quickly. But... uh. I remember me and Sister Murphy's brother, we were 17, 18 years old, sitting at my house one day and just started having this conversation. How do we believe the pastor? I've told you this story before. How do we know what our pastor's teaching us the truth? So we decided to get our Bibles out. And in those days, all the young men in our church and most of the young ladies had Thompson Chain Reference Bibles. Anybody remember those? Uh, there's amazing Bibles. We got it out. We studied. 
we studied the subjects that, that would come to our mind. One of them was one God. And I remember not too long after that, it's almost like God gave me a vision of Calvary, seeing Jesus hang on the cross, and it just hit me. It just opened up in my mind. A light went off in my head. That wasn't just a man dying on that cross, but on the inside of him resided the presence of God. So John chapter 3 took on a whole new meaning. Uh, when the Bible talks about him being the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. First Timothy 3.16 took on a whole new meaning. For grace. It's the mystery of godliness because God was manifest in the flesh. Hallelujah to God. Paul talked about it in Colossians. I'm not here today preaching about a God I don't know. I just didn't worship a God I don't know. I'm here to tell you there's one thing I know. That there is one God and his name is Jesus. And I'm glad I know him today. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'll never forget the sweet man, Bob Thompson. He's gone on to his reward setting in my living room. I taught him two nights of home Bible study about the oneness of God. He never got it. I taught him another Bible study or two about the oneness of God. Sitting in our living room, he never got it. We went on with the Bible study. I was teaching a Bible study one night that had nothing to do with the oneness of God. And about halfway through that Bible study, he slapped his, his hand down on his knee. I know it hurt, man. It just We heard it all over the room. And he just started yelling, I see it, I see it, I see it. I literally looked behind me. It looked like he was looking over my head. I looked behind me to see what he was seeing. He said, no, pastor. He said, there's one God. I see it now. There's one God. Until you receive a revelation of God in Christ, you don't really know him. But from that moment on, you'll never forget him. You will never be able to get him out of your mind. There's something powerful in knowing that there's one God. Joseph Devlin, who is also deceased, attended our church in Youngstown years ago. He was a very devout Trinitarian, or at least said he was. But he did not believe in the oneness, had been taught against it at his church all of his life. He came to our church a few times, and he loved the church, but he just couldn't get past it. Sister Murph and I were asleep at about 12.30 one morning. And Joseph called on the phone. I could still hear his voice. Oh, I could still hear his voice. Pastor Murphy, this is Joe Devlin. He cleaned buildings late at night. He, he did janitorial services, cleaned buildings late at night. And uh, he said, you'll never believe what I'm doing, Pastor Murphy. I don't know. <laughs> it's 12.30 in the morning, Joseph. I have no idea. He said, I'm dancing with a vacuum cleaner. He said, you want to know why? That was his words. He said, I've been dancing with a vacuum cleaner for the past 30 minutes. You know why? He said, because John said in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Do you know what verse 14 says, Pastor Murphy? I said, yeah. He said, didn't even give me a chance. He said, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among, among us. Do you know what that means, Pastor Murphy? And I said, I do. He said, yes, there's one God. He said, I see it. There's one God. God just showed me that there's one God in the Scripture. And he hung up the phone, and I assume he continued dancing with the vacuum cleaner. I, 
I couldn't imagine him going on to anything else for a little while. I'm here to preach to us today. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded sometimes of who God is when we come to worship him Friday night at our worship service. We're not just worshiping some God out in space somewhere, but he's a God that's real. He's a God that's powerful. He's a God that's alive, and he's a God that's here right now, and I love him today, and I thank God that I know who he is. Hallelujah. Man, I could, I don't want to get off of this point, but I've got, I've got a little more to preach here today. The blind man said, and I want you to notice this, the blind man didn't know him, not like we do. In John chapter 9. He didn't know him. He said, told the Pharisees, I don't know if he's a sinner or not. But I do know he healed my eyes. He did it. He did it. The blind man went on to say, essentially, if you would let him touch your life like he touched mine, you might want to become some of one of his disciples as well. Quite an indictment. And these men did not appreciate it very much. As a matter of fact, his family was ultimately banned from the temple because of that. But Jesus left this man with a knowledge of him. He didn't know everything about him. But he knew enough about him to change his life, to change everything about him. If I can skip over this morning to... Luke chapter 10, and most everyone here today is familiar with the story. Jesus was visiting with them in Bethany, close to Jerusalem. And uh, they were preparing dinner for him. But when Jesus arrived, Mary, she just got a little too distracted this time by Jesus being there. Um, She just kind of kicked Martha to the curb when it came to preparing dinner and setting the table and all that. You all know the story. And uh, Martha got upset about it and said, Jesus, you need to tell Mary to just quit staring at you and saying sweet things to you. We can do that after dinner. That's the Murphy commentary. We can take care of all that after dinner. Said that I need her help in the kitchen. You know the verse Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're cumbered about much serving. But your sister, your sister has come to me. She's come to me. She wants me to minister to her. And by the simple fact of her wanting me to minister to her, she's ministering to me by wanting me to do that. We shoot ourselves in the foot sometimes when we're just a little too busy and not quite distracted enough by the presence of God. He finally told her that, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. You've got too much on your mind. If you understood who was in your house today, you wouldn't even worried about dinner. I could have provided dinner. As a matter of fact, I could give you water that you'll never thirst again. I could put something in your soul that you'll never hunger for anything else again, spiritually speaking. I can do more for you than your dinner could ever do for me. She said that Mary has chosen that good part, and it's not going to be taken away from her. He said one thing is needful. The message is clear. That when Jesus comes into the house, 
nothing else is as important as his presence. Jesus made that clear. It's more important than what your smartphone is doing for you right now. Those of you that are on your smartphone. It's more important than what you're doing on the internet. During church while the preacher's preaching. Oops, did I say something? Uh, oh, I'm, I, y'all forgive me. I mean, we're just going to move right along, right? Amen is right. One thing is needful, and it's needful here today. It doesn't make any difference to me what you've got planned after church today. It doesn't make any difference to me how many people you're meeting for lunch. I care about it. I'm interested in it. I'm not saying it in, in that tone. But I want you to know today there's nothing you will do for the rest of the day that's more of a priority than what you'll do here in just a few moments. When we give you an opportunity to worship the Lord, to praise the Lord, to repent of your sins, to make a commitment to God, whatever it is, you need to find yourself before you leave here today at the feet of Jesus because it's needful, Jesus said. It's not optional. It's not optional. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's needed. It's needed for your sake and for his sake. There is a reciprocal fulfillment when we worship the Lord, when we clap our hands, when we raise our hands. Almighty God is fulfilled by your praise and by your worship. I want to go back for just a moment to one of our young people there. There was a host of them here yesterday in Sister Anita's Connect group. When one of them said, did we pray last Sunday, it touched my heart. The tone was, how could I have forgotten if I didn't pray last Sunday? How did that not happen? That was the tone. That's what I gleaned out of it. How could a service go on and I not pray, I not take time to talk to God? I'd like for all of us to ask ourselves that question. Right now, in your head, would you ask yourself, did I pray last Sunday? God help us if we did not. But God is kind and God is gracious. So whether or not you prayed last Sunday or not, that's in the books. That's history now. But you can do everything you want to about it today. You can do anything you want to about that right now. Because if you want to pray today, there's not a greater moment than to just say, thank you, Jesus. There's not a greater moment than just say, hallelujah. There's not a greater time right now than just say, God, I love you with all of my heart. It's needed, folks. It's needed. It's needed. It's needed. I want to remind our sweet youth group here today. Boy, your lives right now are exciting. I look at you guys sometimes, and I'm, 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 I'm envious. Uh, I remember how it, how it felt to be your age. I remember when I was 12, 13, 14. I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12 years old. I was baptized when I was 10. Uh, I asked Hadley yesterday how she was, 16, 17 years old. She said, no, I'm about to be 10. I'm not 9. Y'all understand. When you're that age, it's I'm almost. She could have just had her birthday Friday and turned nine, and she would have said, I'm almost in. That's just the way they roll. I just like to say I'm 60 and none of your business. 
And I'm not looking forward to my next one either. Y'all will reach that same point. But I remember when I was y'all's age. Sister Murphy remembers when she was y'all's age. Sister Sheila remembers when she was y'all's age and so on. But I remember I'd reached a point in my life, 12, 13 years old, couldn't wait for Sunday morning. Couldn't wait for Sunday night. Couldn't wait for Friday night youth service. Couldn't wait for Saturday. Saturday night youth choir practice. Our whole life revolved around the church and we couldn't wait. The job wasn't important. All these things that we were doing back then. We played football, basketball, tennis. We played softball. We, we did as much as we could. But nothing, nothing, nothing was ever more important and more enjoyable than being in the house of God. There's nothing greater than prayer. There's nothing greater than worship. There's nothing greater than praise. And Jesus said it's needful. It's something we must always be willing to do, especially when we're bidden to do it. Well, I've got I've to hurry on. Young folks, don't lose that keeping track that I prayed last Sunday. Don't ever lose that feeling. If I didn't pray last Sunday, I'm going to make up for it this Sunday. I think all of them made up for it already in this service. They didn't wait to altar service. I wonder what would happen if the adults would do that every Sunday. Just come down here. I'm going to go ahead and pray through. I'm going to repent of what I did, what I know I did, what I know I didn't do, what I didn't do. I'm going to, re- I'm going to repent just in case. I'm going to worship before preaching starts, before the praise set is finished. I'm going to speak in tongues. I'm going to jump and shout because when the preaching starts, I want to be ready. It's needful. It's needful. Well, let me move on. In Mark chapter 10, there was, Jesus didn't pass by this guy. Jesus didn't go to this man's house. This man came to him. And he said, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus started reciting to him what we would call the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, and all that. And the young man responded and said, All these things have I observed since my youth. In other words, I've completed the list of things that my parents taught me. I'm caught up with all the things that I've learned at church. Do you have anything else, Jesus, that you think I should be doing? Don't ask that question if you don't mean it. Don't ask that question if you don't want an answer. Jesus looked him in the eye and said, I'll tell you what, you're you're very wealthy. I want you to go home and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come back and follow me. I think of this scripture setting often. Think of it often. And I've often wondered what would we do if you just innocently walk up to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm doing every, I believe I'm doing everything for you that I know that I can do. Do you have anything else? Do you have any ideas, Jesus, any suggestions? I believe the man was just wanting to kind of look good in front of everybody is what I think he was doing. And it backfired on him huge. Jesus answered his question. So how many of us here today would have obeyed that commandment? I want you to go home 
and sell everything you have and take every dime you've got and give it to the poor and then come back and be one of my disciples. How about that? <clears throat> when the man asked Jesus that question, what else can I do? Jesus answered him and the man said, I've done all that since I was a young person. And Jesus looked him in the eye. And this is the point where I'd like for all of us to put ourselves in his place. Jesus said, there's one thing that you're lacking. I don't know what that does to you. I think in all the things that we like to pat ourselves on the back for doing and all the things that we pat ourselves on the back for saying and all that kind of stuff. If you had a conversation with Jesus today and said, Jesus, I've served you a long time. I've known you for a long time, all of that. Is there just something else I can do in my life for you? If there is, what would it be? And have Jesus look back at me and say, you're lacking. The tragedy of it is that it was only one thing. Jesus didn't point out. He, he didn't get out a, a little black book and out of his desk drawer and say, well, let me see. What's your name again? Yeah, Mr. Bob. There's Bob's here today, just if you understand. But Mr. Bob, I've got about 50 things here today that I could point out. It's not what he did. This apparently was a good man. No doubt he had been a blessing to a lot of people. But Jesus saw in his life and he only responded because the man asked him, am I okay where I'm at right now? Is everything, Jesus, between me and you good? Are we doing okay? And Jesus said, you're lacking. Not a lot. I have preached in times past. And I mean it today. I still mean it today. And it, it's, it's a theory of mine, if you will. It's just kind of the way I think. But I determined a long time ago that if I was going to be lost, it would not be over one thing. If I don't make it to heaven, I'm going to do my best to be sure that it's not over one thing. I don't want to ever stand before God and say, I'm sorry about this one thing that I gave my life to you in every way I knew how. But there was one thing I chose to help to hold back. You think about that. I decided a long time ago that if I'm going to be lost, if I know I'm not going to make it to heaven, buddy, I want to go to hell over a long list of horrible things. And what I mean by that is if I'm going to miss heaven, I'm going to enjoy as much sin on this planet as I can. I want to drink. I want to cuss. I want to smoke. I want to do drugs. I want to lie. I want to cheat. I want to steal. I want to do it all. If I'm going to be lost anyway, why not? I don't want to go to hell a hypocrite. I don't want to go to hell and everybody look around and say, what in the world are you doing here? 
there's folks here today. I want you to look in the mirror. There's people here today that you know you're not really where you should be. And you might not be able to walk, you're not walking up to Jesus and asking him if everything's cool between you and him. But I'm here to go ahead and answer, help you answer the question for you. I think everybody in this building would be wise to do some self-inventory and to look at you up in the mirror and say, is there anything else that I could possibly be doing for God? So when the trumpet sounds or when I die, I'm going to be right. And God can look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's people here today that's still just a little too bitter about something that happened in the past. I can't get past what my mama did, my daddy did, my church did, my pastor did, this person did, that person did. There's people here today that just love the world a little too much. I still want to come to church, but man, it's, it's good for me on Sunday, but man, come Friday night, Saturday night, I just want to, I just want to booze it up. I want to live it up and all that kind of thing. I, pastor, I'll pay my tithes and... You know, I'll, I'll be there when I can and all that kind of stuff. I want you to understand today. The relationship that this man had with Jesus and all of the good that he had done. He never committed adultery. He worshiped on the Sabbath day. He wasn't a robber nor a thief. He obeyed the commandments. But of all the good he did, it wasn't enough. And the tragedy, if you'll stand with me this morning, the tragedy of this story is he did what a lot of people in our society do every Sunday when they come to church. They walk away grieved because they can't do that one thing out of all the good things they do, out of all the graciousness and kindness that they give to others, out of the way they minister to others and help others, and of all the good things they do, Jesus told that man, there's still one thing that you lack. The man loved his money more than he loved God. That was his problem. And he couldn't give it up. I wonder if he hold, heard the parable Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus. That what happened to people, it's okay to be rich. It's okay to be blessed. But it's the love of money. It's not money. It's the love of money that gives people problems. So what is it today that you love just a little bit more? That one thing you love just a little bit more than you do Jesus. What is it? And is it worth being lost over? I don't ever read in the scripture where this man ever came back to Jesus. He may have. I don't read it. I don't read where he just, he couldn't sleep no more at night and he just finally got up and said, you know what, my conscience is killing me and having all this money is not worth it. I'm going to go home and I, I'm just going to sell it all. I'm going to get rid of it all and I'm going back to follow Jesus. I don't read where, where that ever happened. Neither is there too many stories in churches like this one where there's people that lack one thing. They just can't, can't do it, can't, can't, can't do it. And I believe that 
this man no doubt thought that he was right with God. And he, did Jesus say that I have to really do that? Uh, said that just another, because at the 11th commandment that Jesus is adding all of a sudden to the 10. And I mean, what, what, do, I, what do I do with that? I, I don't know what happened between him and God. I'm not the judge of that. But I do know there's people here today that God's talking to you again. You're wonderful people, wonderful persons. But is there something between you and God that he'd like for you to surrender? As they begin to play softly, sing softly, we've come to that time again. And here comes our sweet youth group. They did this a few minutes ago, and they've cried, and they've repented, and here they come again and saying, God, I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to give some. I remember doing this myself. I just never could tell God enough that I give myself to you. God, I, I surrender everything to you. I'll give you all I've got. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to work with you with all of my heart. I'm going to do all of that. I'm going to do all of that. I've told you that over and over and over. They're doing the same thing. And some of you have. But you don't mean it as much today as you did then. I want to invite everybody here today to come. And while they begin to sing softly, to throw your, your face, your hands up in the air, say, God, I surrender it all to you again. It's, God, it's been a long time since I've been here and prayed this prayer. It's been a long time since I've given my heart to you completely. But God, today I'm going to do it. Today I'm going to give it all to you again. I'm going to be better. I'm going to be more faithful. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. Whatever it is you want out of me, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to give you my heart, my life. I'm giving you everything today because you're worthy and because you've blessed me with so much. So as they sing today, would y'all all everybody come? Could everybody come just for a few moments? Everybody come just a few minutes. And let's pray together. Say, God, I'm here again. God, I'm here again. Everybody come. Everybody talk. Everybody talk. God, whatever it is. God, whatever it is that you want out of me, I'm here to give. God, whatever it is you want out of me right now, I'm here to give. I surrender everything up. God, I want to worship like I've never worshipped before. I want to serve like I've never served before. I want to give like I've never given. God, take my life. Take my heart today. I give it back to you. We dedicated our babies here today. God, and we give you our kids again. We'll dedicate them to you again. Whatever. Whatever you want out of us, God. Just want to be with you. Everybody pray. Everybody talk to the Lord. Yes, the Everybody world. talk to the Lord. Bow down and say you are God. Everybody talk to Jesus today. Everybody. The presence of the Lord is moving in the house right now. Everybody give it up for Jesus. Everybody talk to Jesus. So let's Just wanna be
just for you.